This is The Takeaway, and I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. And what you're hearing is the unforgettable voice of Afro-Latina, Cubano, and Salsera, Celia Cruz. Now, she recorded the anti-racist song, Bemba Colora, in 1966. That, along with her signature sound... made her a beloved champion of so many Afro-Latinas in the diaspora. With the exception of Cruz, how many other Afro-Latinos can you name? How many can your children name? This is why, in part, representation matters. It matters so that people feel seen, heard, known. Many Afro-Latinos are taking up the call to make sure the next generation sees representations of themselves in one of the first places they experience images and stories, children's books. So I spoke with Sulma Arzu Brown, a proud Garifuna Afro-Latina woman, author of Bad Hair Does Not Exist, Pelo Malo No Existe. And I asked Sulma to tell me more about the book, Pelo Malo No Existe. Pelo Malo No Existe was illustrated by uh, my best friend, another Garifuna woman, Afro-Latina from Honduras. Uh, her name is Isidra Sabio. And together we were just wanted to uh, change this horrible colloquial term that described the thick textured hair of many of our children, terms that we ourselves grew up hearing, which is pelo malo, which means bad hair. And we believe that it was an opportunity for us to start offsetting the messages about our communities that are too often seen in the media. So even from the illustrations to the simple education, such as alternate terms uh, for hair so that no adult or child ever has to use the term pelo malo. Phrases and words like short, long, straight, curly, they're very simple uh, to take on and eliminate uh, the term bad hair. That language of pelo malo, of bad hair, but also of good hair, right? Because even if you say good hair, it always presumes pelo malo is is the alternate. I feel like this is so central to the experience of little black girls, whether we are um, Afro-Latina or whether we are black girls hailing from the diaspora or little black girls hailing from the U.S. South. Why is hair so critical? You know what? Hair can tell a story of who we are. It tells a beautiful story of where we come from and, and our ancestors, right? And part of the process of colonialism is to try and erase what lives in us and actually grows through us, our scalp. And you're absolutely right in saying that uh, this book is not just for Latinos. It was literally written for um the, the global Black diaspora so we can remember how to uh, respect one another and teach the world how to respect us uh, as well. This book was also written for those that do not look like us, right, that are not Black in color or, or, or Nubian to get to understand the beauty of the Black experience, the way we carry ourselves within our families, right? 
the way we give gifts to one another, the way grandma passes um, down a, a cupcake recipe uh, to her granddaughter. All of this beauty is depicted in this book. And again, it's definitely about making sure that we are telling our stories from our perspectives and how we see each other and one another in hopes of the world getting giving themselves that opportunity to get to see us in the light that we have always been. So tell me some of your story. Tell me um, about the intersections of uh, Latin identity and Blackness where you live. Yeah, well, you know, right now I am in the in the Bronx, but I wasn't always here. I was born in Honduras eh, 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 and raised in a small Garifuna village. And the Garifuna people represent about five percent of the the people uh, in Honduras. Our quote unquote motherland is actually Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, where in um, the Garifuna people were created, and we are a mixture of the the Arawak Indians, the the Carib that were in the in the land and. And actually, um, slaves that 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 came to the island of Saint Vincent because Saint Vincent was actually considered neutral territory between the French and the English. So the the the, the slaves, even from Africa and from from Barbados, will come in so that they would be free. Right. And the mixture of all of these people created a brand new breed of people, which is the Garifuna people. So let me fast forward it years later on why I came to this country. My mom and dad actually ventured to this country before my brother and I did. And the reason why my mom came here, because in Honduras, uh, we are still today dealing with the same discriminatory uh, tactics, right, that we've dealt years ago. My mom came to this country because she was overlooked for a promotion because she was black. Garifuna and a woman mm. and her boss literally tell, told her you have family in the United States I advise you to move over there because there you will get the promotions that you deserve based on your qualifications so she came here graduated college and so did my my father my brother and I uh, both came six years later and we are also successful college graduates but I promised myself that my children will never have to go through this. So my life's journey is to create tools of empowerment and have these conversations to make sure that um, my, my mom's story does not repeat itself. But what will repeat itself is that strength that our ancestor placed in us for survival, which is the reason why the Garifuna people still to this day um, speak our own language because we were never enslaved. The, the, the slaves normally take on the language of the master and we uh, we have our, our own language. And because I was born in Honduras and many Garifunas are in Guatemala, Belize and Nicaragua, uh, we identify as Afro-Latinos with the exception of our brothers and sisters in Belize because it is the only English colonized country. As you expand the knowledge, the understanding, the consciousness of folks to even understand the the global nature of blackness. Why does that matter for kids to see that in the books that they read as small people? It, it matters because I think that that's how we have uh, survived 
through history is telling our story and, and reminding our children how strong they are, right? How important their contribution to the now is. And in order for you to understand uh, uh, what that is, you must understand the family members, your ancestors that came uh, before you that have already made history because they might be something inside of you, for example, um, if, a child is hungry to be an entrepreneur, right? And have her own business for like myself, right? Who, who is an entrepreneur. I'm wondering where that, where's that coming from? And that's when I found out that my grandmother had the first supermarket in our small town uh, of Santa Fe Colón. That's when I found out that, that my grandfather, you know, ran his own business as well. That So there's a history of, of community. There's a history of entrepreneurship and understanding where that came from. You realize that, wow, I can breathe. I am not different, right? Like this has happened in, in my story before and it helps take them to a whole nother level. When I wrote the book, Bad Hair Does Not Exist, Pelo Malo No Existe, uh, I can literally mark the difference between my kids' grades in school when they didn't know who they were and the power that lived inside of them versus when I wrote the book and they were able to breathe and say, I can do this. And not only were they able to breathe, but they became leaders in the space of anti-bullying, right? They started educating uh, the, the the young uh, vanilla Latinas, you know, where they would uh, kind of like whip their hair to the back and, and they would tell my daughter, oh, you see, Suleni, you can't do this with your hair. You can't whip it back like us. And Suleni goes, well, that's okay because I pad, baby. I pad and this is how <laughs> we do it. So she started padding her curly afro, right? Yes. <laughs> in, yes. in ways of educating. So it's just such, so so powerful and she became uh she got a scholarship to to an incredible um high school because she didn't have to worry about the who she was the, the teachers knew that she would concentrate on her education because this is not a lost child trying to find herself which is why we have to continue to write a, our books now even more than ever when our history is literally being erased so i'm calling for more authors more storytellers more humans like ourselves to write your story our kids need it and it is important for not just our survival but it is important because we have to thrive and we have to honor the sacrifices of our ancestors in the process Suma Arzu Brown, author of Pelo Malo No Existe. Gracias. Thank you for joining The Takeaway. Hermana, era un placer. Que Dios te bendiga. I also spoke with Charles Esperanza. I am the author-illustrator of Boogie Boogie Y'all. And Yesenia Moises. Author-illustrator of Stella Stellar Hair. I asked Yesenia to tell me about her book and the story of Stella's Stellar Hair. So Stella Stellar Hair is a story about a young black girl who goes on an interplanetary journey across the solar system to get help with her hair from her nine fabulous space aunties. Afro-Latina futurism? I guess you can say that. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty on the nose. <laughs> In a children's book. Yes. Give us just a little bit more on the plot. Who are these aunties and what is it that they are doing with Stella? Stella is looking for a new hairstyle because it's the day of the big star little gala you know very cool uh interplanetary party that's happening to celebrate the solar system and 
her mom tries to do something, but she doesn't like it. And so she wants to have something really special for this big day. And her mom suggests that she go to see her aunties across the solar system and her aunts all live on the different planets. And each of the aunties has their own unique way of styling their hair that's actually based around the planet's atmospheres. I asked Charles how his book, Boogie Boogie Y'all, was not only a celebration of his hometown, the Bronx, but also of the diaspora. So Boogie Boogie Y'all is basically a love letter to the Bronx and graffiti art. Basically, it came from me just wanting to explore more of my hometown and the culture that, you know, has come from that. I'm a teacher, so a lot of my students didn't really understand where graffiti came from. Um, one day I saw a, an amazing graffiti piece outside of a community center I teach. And I took a picture of it and brought it into class and all the students showed it to the students and they were just amazed by it. And I told them, you know, what do you think of it? They were like, this is great. Uh, where'd you find this? Is this in a museum or something? And I'm like, no, it's right across the street from, you know, the community center. And so right then and there, I realized that they maybe didn't take in as much as they should about their community and uh, the art that's around them. So that kind of spawned the idea for Boogie Boogie All. And so Boogie Boogie All is basically, you know, a book that just inspires all its readers, kids, adults, anyone to just look at the art on the wall, take in everything around you and how great it is. And it's also it's also a rap song, too. We have a great audio book uh, out right now as well to go along with the book that I definitely recommend people partner with. <laughs> now, these two are doing the work to help the next generation of kids. But I wondered when they first saw representations of themselves in media. That experience came from watching Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse, um, the movie that came out, I believe, in 2018, in December. I remember going to theaters and seeing that movie and it was the very first time that i'd seen someone who similar to me was afro-latino but was able to speak spanish in their home and it was just a very natural kind of thing i went to a panel at the apple store where peter ramsey the co-director for it was talking and he had mentioned that for the movie he'd made sure that in the times when miles was speaking spanish to his parents that there were no subtitles because he felt like subtitles were very othering. It made you feel like, oh, this is like a really different language. This isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the very first time where I saw that being someone who has darker skin and speaks Spanish was very normal. And that was very comforting to me. I got to say, it bothered me that 2018 was the first time Yesenia felt represented in media. I asked Charles about the gap and his normality and joyfulness not being reflected back to him. I first started uh, pitching Boogie Boogie Y'all uh, maybe end of 2015, early 2016. And at that point, there wasn't as much advocacy uh, for, you know, black and brown stories to be celebrate as celebrated as they are now um and i definitely can see right the difference right now and it's really great and you know we're getting some amazing stories it's going to take a lot more to see a lot more stories get out i asked both charles and yesenia if they didn't have direct representation as kids 
Where did they find spaces where they saw themselves? As a kid, I was obsessed with anime and I loved the amazing colors that they used and everything in anime was, it kind of felt like it could, it was, could be related to cartoons in America, but at the same time, things were really, really different and off. And I'd be like, whoa, what is this? And I kind of related to that because a lot of the stuff that I liked was, you know, very weird. It wasn't Marvel comics. It wasn't Batman, Superman. It was, you know, this kind of weird uh, place. And I feel like I really related to that. Um, Also coming up watching Nickelodeon, uh, Hey Arnold, you know, it took place in a, uh, a city, you know, and I felt like a lot of the things that the characters in Hey Arnold went through, I could relate to. And, you know, even if, even though it was a, a white main character, there were a lot, a lot of, uh, I felt like there was a lot of diversity in that show at the time. Um, and Nickelodeon in general, I feel like had a good amount of diversity in the nineties. I did really enjoy the worlds that were brought to me by anime and how they told stories in which the characters grew over time, as opposed to the more episodic kind of stories that we see in American cartoons these days. Well, not these days, they're a little more, there's a little more flavor to them now than there was back when I was growing up. But I just found it very fascinating, but also really, I guess, enriching. It it made me feel seen to see characters that were going through things and they had, you know, their own issues they were working through. They had adventures that they were going on with friends. And I really love the idea that like friendship is power. That's something that we don't really get a lot in the, well, back then we didn't really get a lot in the American cartoons that we had here. Things like Dexter's Laboratory or Powerpuff Girls. Like, yeah, they'd go on adventures. Yeah, they like, you know, have the flavor of the day monster where they beat up the bad guy. But we didn't really get to see them you know, have internal dialogues about, well, you know, what am I feeling right now? And how do I want to go about tackling this problem that's before me? Things like that, I didn't really see very much of in American cartoons. And I really enjoyed that aspect. I really enjoyed the, how just colorful their worlds were, how imaginative they could be. And I think that sort of thing made me feel a lot more seen than the worlds that I was seeing on, you know, Cartoon Network or Kids WB. Charles Esperanza and Yesenia Moises, thank you both for joining us here at The Takeaway. Thank thank you you so much, Melissa. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.